Welcome to the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Oh my. Blake and Boomer are here for all of your weekly winners. Oh my. Let's fatten up your wallet. All right, my friends. Welcome back. Chapter 4.5 of the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. We're here. We're fattening up your wallet. We've got all your weekly winners. We're coming to you a little late this week. Apologize for that. Uh, Boomer, who moonlights as the busiest man in the world, could not record at our regular scheduled Wednesday time. Um, so now we here we are Thursday evening during the Thursday night football games, uh, getting some picks for you as Todd Gurley scores a touchdown. But Boom, how you doing this evening? Uh, just uh, doing all right. Trying to get over this illness that uh, was caused by my subpar performance last weekend. Yeah. So speaking of six and eight for you last weekend, causing some illness apparently on the uh, the front over in Atlanta. Six and eight for Boomer. Overall record of thirty twenty four and two. So you're still up on the year. That's all. It ca- that's all that matters. There's going to be some down weeks. Uh, not for me though. I went nine and six last weekend, uh, up to thirty four and twenty three on the young season. So doing some good things. Uh, but again, thanks for joining us this week on the Deep Fried Bets podcast. We've got a really great interview uh, with Max Meyer. Uh, Max Meyer coming up here in just a second. Sports Illustrated. He's a gambling producer over at Sports Illustrated. So that's a really good segment we'll get to here in just a second. Um, so we did record with Max on Wednesday night. Again, we're recording Thursday night. So, you know, if anything has changed in the past 24 hours, don't yell at us. That's why it is. Um, so, like I said, we've got that coming up. It's week five of the college football season. And as always, we would encourage the college football season to slow down a little bit. It's going a little too fast for our liking. Um, week three would be a lot better, but week five is here. Uh, week four of the NFL season. And uh, lots of winners. Ben, are you excited about them? Oh, yeah. No, I'm loving it. I'm, uh, I'm actually – currently in the middle of live betting this Rams game. So being out of that uh, throughout this series. Okay, so who are you rolling with there? Uh, well, I uh, I really like the uh, Vikings money line right now. You can get it at uh, 225. Okay. That will not be relevant for when this posts, but still fun to listen and see what he says. Um, all right, so we got a few things to discuss. Uh, college football, which is where our bread is buttered around here, you could say. Uh, some big news coming out of college football this week. Number one, Kelly Bryant transferring from Clemson. Um, and I, I think I mentioned earlier in the year, I think that move had to happen for Clemson to be the front runners for the national championship. So I think that that was a positive move. Boone, what's your thought on that? You uh, you ready to see Kelly Bryant Auburn Tiger next year? Yeah, I'm just hoping that the money gets transferred uh, as quickly as possible into his bank account. Yep. All right. So there's that. Um, and then we've got the Ohio State. <laughs> from whoever, from whatever school decides to pay him. Right. It'll be the Auburn school. But don't worry. Um, then we've got. Uh, it'll be Old Dominion. It'll be ECU. He's already over there. It won't be. So, anyways, that's that. And then next up, we've got the. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes continue to be as tone deaf as a, a university can be. It appears they have now deleted the tweet. But, uh, you know, Ohio State, of all places, you can't post a picture of a football player holding up the shush shine and say silence. Like, you just can't do it. And that's what they did. They tweeted that out. They were going to silence the wideout crowd at Penn State. 
So that's uh, that's the other news there. Interesting stuff. Not, I mean, just crazy, crazy that that happened. Well, I mean, we all know that Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer clearly does not uh, does not care. I guess you would say no. uh, about that sort of political line. So of course they're going to be tone deaf in that situation. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I think we can officially call this weekend the Silence Bowl with Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, anyways. So let's get to more of the gambling aspect of things. Um, that's what we do around here, obviously. It's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. So before we get to our interview with Max, I just want to share some pertinent information with you guys. Um, so here's the time, the, the start of the year, the, the time of the year where you kind of start looking at teams to fade, auto-fade teams who are undefeated or um, winless against the spread. So we'll start with the winless teams. And these are kind of – I'm like, it's just – People out in Vegas are too good at what they do to have a team go like winless against the spread or undefeated against the spread. They just know what they're doing way too good. So now's the time you kind of start looking. So just college football, 0-4 against the spread teams is insight. This information comes to us from Sports Insights. Florida Atlantic, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Northern Illinois, Oregon, USC, Wake Forest. All of those teams are 0-4 against the spread. So if you take notes, that might be something you want to write down. Then we've got five teams that are 4-0 against the spread. you got Virginia, Texas A&M, Washington State, Florida International, and Utah State. So, again, it's not auto-fade territory yet, but it, we're slowly creeping up on it. You know, I think starting next week, any of these teams who are still undefeated against the spread, you want to hit, start hitting that auto-fade. Um, so that's just a little bit of information. That's what we like to do around here, some, some nice nuggets for you uh, to take with you into the weekend. Boom. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's whatever you're talking about for you. Okay. All right, that's a good insight from you. But So I said we got an interview with Max from Sports Illustrated. Uh, Max kind of breaks down college football week five a little bit, kind of the gambling aspect. Really, really good interview, so y'all check that out. All right, my friends, we'd like to welcome wow, welcome Max Meyer to the Deep Fried Becks podcast. Max coming to us from Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated Gambling. He's a homepage producer. He's the gambling producer. You can find him on Twitter at DMaxMeyer or at SIGambling. Max, thanks so much for joining us, man. How's it going this evening? I am good, Blake. And you know what? It is Wednesday, but that means that the college, that the upcoming college football weekend is just this much closer, and there are some enticing games this weekend. That's right. I agree. Um, very excited. Thursday night, I think, what, Miami, North Carolina? Is that the Thursday night game this week? Yes. Yep. So, and uh, then – yeah, and then the interesting one on Friday for me, I'm a huge Pac-12 guy, is UCLA traveling to Colorado. Yeah, I forgot that is Thursday night, so or Friday night. So Chip Kelly, yeah, zero and three, going to try to try to get his first win there. Any, uh, you know, just as you mentioned it, any uh, any lean on that game? So I actually, Colorado's offense is really strong. Like Steven Montez is the real deal at quarterback, but. I just think UCLA as a double-digit underdog on the road and coming off a bye, I just like the spot for UCLA personally, and I'm not really sold on this Colorado defense. That gave up actually a good amount of points to Nebraska's offense, which has struggled throughout most of the season. So I'd, I'd go with a double-digit dog here. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy to think of. You know, I'm not – don't know that Chip Kelly's the same Chip Kelly that he was at Oregon, but the prospects of him starting 0-4 sounds really crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm with you. That could be a good spot there on Friday night. All right, so 
We kind of talked a little bit about that. Um, the, I guess the big Pac-12 game of the weekend definitely is the Notre Dame-Stanford game. Um, you know, Stanford with a crazy come-from-behind win last week. That game was just bananas. Um, now they got to go. Oh, I'd prefer not to. I'd prefer not to talk about that one because Oregon was actually my best bet last week for that game. Okay. And I and I had a lot and I had a lot on the Ducks. So that that brings back nightmares. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I had the under, and uh, I was looking pretty good in that for a while. And then once that uh, that bobbled snap happened, I was like, oh, we could be in for some fireworks here. But um, yeah, that was crazy. And so we got Notre Dame, Stanford this weekend. What's uh, what's your initial thought on that game? So I actually, I still think that Stanford is a little overrated, in my opinion. Agreed. And so the change between this year's Stanford team versus other Stanford teams in the past is they now have a vertical passing game. KJ Costello has looked great. He's averaging 9.3 yards per attempt and that's 20th in college football. And his favorite target is basically a human giant in JJ Arcega Whiteside. And he also loves going to his tight ends, especially Colby Parkinson, who stands at six, seven, I think. So he just has big targets. And especially in the red zone, he just likes lofting up these throws and they come down with them. But I just think, Stanford should be concerned about their offensive line. It hasn't looked nearly as good, and Bryce Love hasn't looked like the same Bryce Love that took college football by storm last season. I just think it's because the offensive line hasn't really been opening things up. And then what I really like about Notre Dame this week is this is by far the best passing defense that K.J. Costello will face this season. So Oregon last week, uh, they're now allowing 8.2 yards per attempt, which is 101st in the country. Uh, Stanford played San Diego State uh, to open up the season. They're allowing 8.8 yards per attempt, which is 113th. And the toughest defense they faced so far in terms of uh, yards per attempt through the air is USC, and they allowed 6.1 yards per attempt so far this season, which is 31st. And Stanford actually only scored 17 points in that game. So now Notre Dame is allowing 5.6 yards per attempt, which is 15th in the country. And I really, I think that that defense is really strong. They have a great front seven. Their secondary has looked better than uh, thought coming into the season, and I think Notre Dame takes care of business um, against Stanford. Okay. So what do you think about the quarterback switch from Wimbush um, for Notre Dame? Yeah, so I think the one big question mark with Notre Dame uh, heading into the Wake Forest game last week was quarterback. Uh, obviously, Wimbush uh, completed several big plays against Michigan in week one and, and utilized his legs. But in uh, ensuing games against Ball State and against Vanderbilt, he just he looked erratic, and Notre Dame's offense suffered because of that. And now with Ian Book, and uh, the offense looked rejuvenated, and actually it looked so good against Wake Forest that the Demon Deacons fired their defensive coordinator after the game. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think that Ian Book is definitely an upgrade at quarterback, and he makes Notre Dame that much tougher to beat. Okay. So while we're on the quarterback situation, obviously the big news today was Kelly Bryant transferring. Um, you know, hadn't really had too much time, obviously, to process all that information. But do you see that affecting Clemson's long term? You know, maybe their national title implications. I don't think so because I actually think that Clemson is a few points better with freshman Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. It just seems that the offense has been moving the ball a lot easier when he's been at the helm. And it's, it's kind of the same deal with Notre Dame, like going with the um, better passer versus the dual threat. No. And I, I think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, can't knock that majestic hair either. No, but not at all. I, I, just think that, I just think that he gives that Clemson offense another dimension. 
and especially with their pass rush, which um, leads the country in um, percentage of sacks on, on opposing quarterback dropbacks. If you have an offense that can match that, Clemson's going to give um, – I mean, the, the, I'm assuming they're going to make the college football playoff because the ACC is the dumpster fire behind them. Right. But they're going to give top teams uh, challenges come college football playoff time. Yeah, I made the point earlier today and kind of see see what your thoughts are on this. In my opinion, I mean, I think if obviously the big caveat here is Trevor Lawrence has to stay healthy. I mean, I think it makes him better because, you know, Bryant's there. He's your senior guy. He's been there for, for four or five years. Um you know, Dabo was always going to try to get him as many reps, get him in the game wherever he could. Now I don't think he has to, like, try to engineer that into the playbook. He's got Lawrence, and you just let him go out there and do his thing. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I just – I think you're right. I think that it's a disruption to the receivers, the running backs, offensive line, the entire offensive unit if you're switching quarterbacks every single game because they're, they're obviously two different players, and you have to have two different mindsets when you're on the offense when playing with those two different quarterbacks. So I think just going with one constant guy, you know what he brings to the table. I think that'll make things a lot easier for everyone. Yep. Yeah, I'm down here in Birmingham. So I kind of saw the, the same thing play out in Tuscaloosa with Jalen and Tua. You know, you could just the offense is so much more fluid with Tua in there. And then Jalen would come in, and you'd kind of see it stall out. So I think, you know, so much situation. Trevor Lawrence, I think he's the real deal as well. So we kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, you know, Clemson, you've gotten the playoff. You know, I think right now, kind of the consensus, big four, I guess you could say, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. Do you see any teams, you know, outside of the top five, maybe the top ten, that can make a run at the playoff and maybe even make a run at the national championship? I don't think top ten. Or, you know what, I, I, take a, I, I, think, if, I think a one-loss Pac-12 team could make it in. Definitely not a two-loss Pac-12 team. But I actually, I still think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Okay. Just because Justin Herbert, I, I think that he's the best draft-eligible quarterback in the country. And he definitely looked the party in Stanford. I mean, he was just throwing absolute darts yeah. throughout the entire game. And then Oregon, they also have the best front seven in the conference. And they have elite defensive coordinator Jim Levitt. And I'm not really sold on a lot of other Pac-12 teams. I think Washington's secondary is amazing. But I just don't think that they can be an elite team as long as Jake Browning's at quarterback. And it seemingly felt like he's been at quarterback forever. He's Ever, like the Perry yes. Ellis of college football. And then Stanford, like what, what we addressed before with the offensive line, and I just don't think that they've been facing quality pass defenses yet. I still think Oregon's the best team. And, and if they go 11-1, their soft non-conference schedule will hurt them, and I think that they'll be judged if they're going up against other one-loss teams in Power 5 conferences. But if it's a one-loss Pac-12 team versus a two-loss uh, Georgia or a two-loss Big Ten team, I think you'd have to go with the Pac-12 in this case. But the um, current team outside the top five that I think is actually a great bet to make the playoff is Notre Dame. And... I just with the with the Ian Book switch at quarterback, they're a very complete team. And if you look after the Stanford game, which which they're still favored to win, really their toughest games left on the schedule aren't nearly as intimidating as they were preseason. Like they play at Virginia Tech the week after, and that's with uh, Josh Jackson, the Virginia Tech starting quarterback, out for that game after his injury suffered in, in a loss against Old Dominion. And actually, I bet on Old Dominion last week, not Moneyline, but I took them against the spread just because I wasn't really sold on Virginia Tech with their one win coming against Florida State. Right. And 
And then, um, like, so Notre Dame, they also play uh, against Florida State at home. And I think that that's a really easy game. And then there are two road games. Uh, well, besides Virginia Tech, there are two other big road games are at Northwestern. And I think that Northwestern really hasn't looked that great either this season. I mean, sure, they beat Purdue in the season opener, but they lost to Akron uh, later in the year. And I, I just, I'm not a believer there. And then they end the season at USC. And USC has looked pretty disappointing as well. Like the offense has been very inconsistent and the defense, they're one of the worst rush defenses in the country, which is kind of hard to believe given all that talent. So I just think with Notre Dame's strong roster and their easy schedule the rest of the way that the Irish are a very good bet to make the playoff in my opinion. All right. Definitely a team to look out for. So one of the teams I did mention uh, that, you know, kind of the, the, the big four, I guess you could say Ohio state, a huge matchup this weekend going to happy Valley. Road favorites in that one, three and a half, four points, depending on where you're looking. What What's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm, I'm assuming this is the wideout game for Penn State. Yeah, so uh, Ohio State, their claim to fame is – well, they have, a, they have a very talented defense as well, but make no mistake, this is an offensive juggernaut, and especially with big plays. So they're actually – they're 11th in the country with 14 plays of 30-plus yards or more. And they're 17th in the country with seven plays of 40 plus yards or more. And that's just, they have a ton of speed, whether it's running backs J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber or wide receivers, Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill. Dwayne Haskins has been really efficient at quarterback. This is a tough offense to stop. And the only way that you are going to stop them is if you can limit the big plays on offense. And I actually thought TCU did a really good job with that, but um, they, they, there, uh, Ohio State kind of got lucky in that game, and I think they actually should have only won that game by single digits. But then there was that controversial uh, fumble in the end zone by uh, Kenny Hill that was ruled a touchdown for Ohio State, but really should have been a safety. And I think that kind of changes the whole game. I don't think Penn State really has the defense to stop that explosive Ohio State offense. And yes, they do actually rank eighth in the country, averaging 3.5 sacks per game, led by star pass rusher Sharif Allen. But against TCU, which has ten, which had 10 sacks in the three other games that wasn't Ohio State, Ohio State only allowed one sack against them. And if Penn State can't get that pass rush going, which I don't think they will, that's going to be a big problem for the Nittany Lions. So speaking of pass rush, how big of a deal is it that Nick Bosa's not playing? I, I think that that's going to come up eventually. Um, I just don't think that I, – I, I, I view Ohio State as a far superior team to Penn State, and so I don't think it'll really make an impact in this one. But obviously losing either the best or second-best um, prospect in the country, depending on how you view uh, Houston defensive lineman Ed Oliver, it's going to show up at some point. And Nick Bosa, he, he obviously looked great last year, and he looked really good this season until he got injured. And Ohio State, they do have depth uh, in their front seven and, and at defensive line, but it's really hard to replace the best pass rusher in the country. Yep. All right, so kind of mentioned the offensive juggernaut, Ohio State. Uh, the one matchup we're going to definitely want to keep your eyes on this weekend if you're a big fan of points is the uh, West Virginia-Texas Tech game. I see that over and under sitting around 75. Just how many points are going to be scored in that one? So you're actually you're going to be surprised about this, but I think Texas Tech's defense isn't that bad. So okay. they, they, looked, they looked lost in the first couple games because they lost their top cornerback, uh, Octavius Morgan, for the season before the season started. 
And then they also, their star safety, uh, Ja'Shawn Johnson, missed the first couple games. But Johnson actually came back against Oklahoma State last week, and the Texas Tech defense looked like a completely different team. And asking them to hold a West Virginia team with uh, David Sills and and Will Greer, that's going to be a tough ask, too. But I, I just think that this Texas Tech defense is a little underrated right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if, I, I would take the under in this game, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia or if uh, Texas Tech upsets West Virginia outright. Okay. Well, all right. All right, so there we go, folks. That is Max Meyer from Sports Illustrated. Uh, again, does a bunch of Sports Illustrated or does the gambling. He's a gambling producer over at Sports Illustrated, a homepage producer. You can check him on Twitter at the Max Meyer uh, and SI, at SI Gambling. Again, Max, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. No problem. It It was a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. All right. Again, thanks to Max Meyer, Sports Illustrated. Um, Really good stuff. Y'all go check him out at SI Gambling. uh, Sports Illustrated really upped their gambling coverage this year. Um, Some good stuff, and it's free. You know, it's not like some of this ESPN Plus stuff that you got to pay for. So y'all got to check it out. Really good information. That's something that I try to read every week before I come into uh, the weekend with my Arsenal of Bets. So, speaking of, we kind of hit on a lot of games this weekend with Max. It's week five of the college football season. As I said, we are recording Thursday night, so we're not going to pick any Thursday night games for you, obviously. Uh, Even though we do have North Carolina, Miami. I personally have Miami, or uh, North Carolina plus 17 and the under, um, as Miami is trying to score right now. But anyways, um, we've got two Friday night games coming up, and um, nothing too crazy, but there is some action. So, we'll give you a pick. Um our favorite Friday night games, just because you're probably going to be watching. Uh, Boom, who you got is your favorite Friday night game this week? Yeah, I mean, not too great action. Uh, Probably won't be taking out a second mortgage or anything on these games, but I'm going to roll with the green wave. Just uh, usually love having my money on those guys. You're getting 14 there at home, 8 o'clock. Definitely going to have a uh, couple of of crumbs on that game, but – Nothing more than that. Yeah, I like that pick as well. And, my God, the sweetest helmets I might have ever seen that they're rocking this weekend. I'll try to visually describe them, but I'll also tweet it out. So they've got that logo, the angry green wave-looking guy, the wave that's trying to fight you. Well, they have turned what, like the little logo that you know covers like 50% of one side of the helmet to now it covers each side. It's like 100% covered by this green wave thing. Pretty cool. Tulane doing some big things on Friday night down in New Orleans. There's nothing else to do in New Orleans, so you might as well go watch the Tulane Green Wave uh, get their action on. So Boomer's got Tulane plus 14 like that. But uh, Yeah, sorry. I forgot to uh, I forgot to mention that I also like them because of their outfits. Right, because of their because offense. Because that matters a lot. Yeah, the outfits. And my decision. Offense. It, it should, man. It, it gets these players hyped up. Um, but, you know, we kind of hit about on this a little bit with Max. Um, I really like UCLA. And it's kind of from what I said, nothing more than it's just really hard to imagine an 0-4 UCLA Chip Kelly team. I don't think they're very good. I don't know if they're going to pull out the win, but I think they'll be more competitive. They're coming off a bye week, which is going to be beneficial on a Friday night game. Colorado, they're better this year, better than they were last year. You know, the year before was when McIntyre won Coach of the Year. They went like nine and three, and was just a, a statistical a statistical anomaly that year. Um, don't think they were very good. I don't know if they're still riding off that at any, but I do think I'm going to take the 10 and UCLA on Friday night as my favorite Friday night game. 
So we'll take those bets. We'll take the money from them, the winners there, and we're going to roll that into our Saturday action. And we start off with a bang. Don't know, you know, the quality of football, how great it's going to be. I mean, it'll probably be a decent game. It's going to be fun to watch. But we've got uh, West Virginia, minus three and a half, traveling to Texas Tech, coming off a big win against Oklahoma State last weekend. Boomer, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch every minute of this game. Looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, I think Will Greer is one of the best players in, in the league this year. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, so- yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he could be uh, he could be the next Baker Mayfield. Who knows? But the problem what what gave me pause right here. I was going to just say definitely take West Virginia minus three and a half. ESPN's FPI, which is one of the more reliable algorithms out there, has Texas Tech as a sixty one percent favorite okay. in this game. Usually, whenever you see that coming from the underdog at home, uh, either will stay off of it or put a little bit on there and take it. I probably will hold off this game because I want West Virginia to win, but um, all the numbers tell me that Texas Tech is probably the smart move getting the three and a half at home. I figured that uh, last week they might be a little bit overvalued in the Oklahoma State game, but it appears they haven't really moved a whole lot this game probably would have uh been about six and a half maybe so you're still kind of in that in that same zone area between uh major numbers so i I would say go ahead and take texas tech and uh cliff kingsbury in the spot okay so coach hottie here um kingsbury plus three in the hook um again i'm gonna kind of bank off some advice that we had with max Uh, i like the under in this game and a lot of it has to do with it being an early start. If this were 2.30, you know, maybe a 6 o'clock game, I might think a little bit different about this. But under 74 right now, a lot of points. And, you know, it's hard to get up and score. You don't just roll out of bed and score 74 points. Um, and I think both these defenses are a little underrated. I don't think either of them are going to challenge the 85 Bears for best defense of all time or anything like that. But uh, – do you think you're getting a little value there with the under just because of the big name? So I like that as well. Under 74, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Next up, we got the Mullen Bowl. Uh, this one should be interesting. I don't know that it's really on a lot of people's radar, but being in the South, um, you know, having some friends of the show that are Mississippi State guys, um, this one's going to be really interesting over in Starkville. You got Dan Mullen making the triumphant return. He's a seven point dog with Florida. Um, you know, not very often do you see a guy leave to take a quote-unquote better job than be a seven-point dog to the team he left the next season. But that's what happens here. Um, Mullen is, you know, definitely going to be familiar with the other side of the field. Uh, Boomer, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State had a brutal loss last weekend against Kentucky, who uh, – Looks to be the second best team in the yep. SEC. Yeah, I don't might, know yet. Might not uh, suck. Yeah. In the SEC, sorry, they're the uh, seventh best team in the SEC West. Okay. Let's see. But that being said, Mississippi State only put up seven points. Uh, I'm still a believer in uh, Fitzgerald. I think that uh, just you know, bad spot for him. Weird thing right here is a lot of the tip. 
public money is coming in on Florida, thinking that Dan Mullen's going to go in there and uh, whoop up an old team, know some new stuff. Obviously, he's not going to know the playbook. Uh, Moorhead coming in, runs a totally different scheme. Place is going to be raucous. Everybody there hates uh, hates Dan Mullen for obvious reasons. It's an SEC crowd, SEC environment. Night game, cowbells rocking. So I'm going to go ahead and swallow the seven points. I think they blow them out this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a blowout too. But I do want to hit on something you said. Do you think that this is a hatred towards Dan Mullen? I like. I know he jumped shark, but that's kind of a dream job for him in Florida. Do you think there will be hatred or more respect? I'm just kidding. We're talking about Mississippi um, I think State here. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the word respect is not in their vocabulary. Um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. I think you'll have some of your fans, some of your smarter fans who, I mean, you got to respect what Mullen did there. I mean, he had you a perennial 8-9 win team, which is just unheard of at start in Starkville. Dak Prescott, that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, I, just a word of advice if you're there, you know, when they bring him out on the field, maybe give him a light cheer. You know, just thank him for his service. Well, I don't think that I don't think that there's going to be a welcome back Dan Mullen dedication video playing on the jumbo truck. Yeah, they're not going to have stars. a tribute video, but you know, just a light cheer. You know, and then you take the cowbells out and you start ringing them at him. But give him a light cheer when he first walks the field for the first time on Saturday. Kind of thank him for what he did. But I'm with you. I think Mississippi State comes out and rolls in this one. Um, I think last week it's kind of hard to say it's a look ahead game when you are on the road. But, uh, you know, in the SEC. But you, you can't tell me that some of those kids don't have this date circle in their schedule. And last week, kind of started thinking, ah, we're only a week out. We're only a week out. Florida's not very good. I think they got propped up by a little bit by that uh, win over Tennessee, a big-time win over Tennessee. Tennessee's terrible. Tennessee might be the worst team in the East. Um, and that would qualify for them the worst in the whole SEC. So I'm with you. I hate eating seven, but I'm going to. And I'm going to take – the uh, the cowbells here to roll big time. Next up, uh, we got some uh, what I like to call boring football. We got Stanford plus six at Notre Dame. Don't think this will be the most exciting game of the weekend by any means at all, but it is a, a matchup of two top ten teams. Um, Boomer, what do you got? Notre Dame at home, six point favorites. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think these two teams are pretty uh, evenly matched. Um, I think that if Notre Dame ends up winning this game, then they've got a fast track to Making it into the playoff, I, they're heavy favorites in every single game after this one, I believe. Yep. Uh, Florida State and USC were supposed to be games that they were, could potentially stumble up on. That obviously is not going to happen this year. Stanford loses this game, then I think you pretty much have the Pac-12 shut out of the playoff. Oh, yeah. So sure. a lot of stakes randomly riding on this game, no doubt. Uh, five and a half points, I mean – not a huge fill on this game. I, I think that I'm just going to lead a little bit more towards Stanford because they still do have Bryce Love. He hasn't performed well. I'm a big fan of Castellano. Uh, I think he can throw it. You know, incredible comeback win last week. David Shaw is a great coach. Uh, we'll see what this book kid can do. I mean, he, he looked great against Wake Forest, unfortunately, last week. So, can he keep that rocket underneath the lights in a bigger spot? I'm not sure, but I'm going to err on the side of what I've seen, and I'll go ahead and take Stanford in the points. Yeah, don't we all look great against Wake Forest? But, um, yeah, I know. I mean, Arcega Whiteside, Castellano, I mean, that's just – they're a great match. I mean, match made in heaven for Stanford. Just chuck it up to your tall receiver and let him come down with the ball. Bryce Love has not been Bryce Love this year. Um, and I think that's got to change at some point. 
it definitely health issues, obviously. I mean, he, he was really, really good last year. Um, so I think you'll see you'll see an improved Stanford team. I, I think both of these teams are e- extremely overrated. And you're, you're right. What scares me is if Stanford doesn't – or if Stanford loses this game, then, you know, Notre Dame is – they're on the fast track. They they might could drop a game, but even if they drop a game, you know, with the wins, quote unquote, that they have, people will make a big deal about it. It scares me. Stanford, I'm like, I think you hit the nail on the head. These two teams are very similar, and you're catching six with one of them. Notre Dame's still not the craziest place in the world to play, so I'm I'm gonna take the six here as well. Ride with the dogs and the Stanford Cardinal on Saturday night. Next up, uh, we got what I'm dubbing as the Silence Bowl. It's Ohio State, minus three in the hook at Penn State. It's the wideout for Penn State, which is always one of the cooler atmospheres in college football to see. Um, you know, the whole place, night game, everybody there is decked out in white. Um, it looks really cool on TV, you know, 100,000 plus. Last time they did this was a couple years ago when Ohio State was, you know, supposed to be the best team in the world, and they went in and got beat. Penn State beat them, even though Ohio State like doubled them up in yards. It was just a couple of fluke special teams plays. But, you know, a little bit different teams this time around. Penn State, three-and-a-half-point home dogs. I'm going to take them. I have no feel in this game whatsoever. I think it'll be an entertaining game, and I think it's the game that all eyes are going to be on this weekend, which means that around here we pick it, Um, you know. And I just don't love either side. But I'm going to take the home team, and I'm going to take the points. Probably not going to have any real action on it. But that's my take on it. Boomer, you got anything a little more concrete than that? Um, I mean, I agree with you. I think that there's no clear-cut side in this game. I think. Yeah, we have some connection issues. Um, But we are back. As as you know, we do not do this in the same room. We are from Birmingham and Atlanta. But, Boomer, I'm sorry that you got cut off a little bit. Just go ahead, start us over. Give us your whole take on this Penn State, Ohio State. I know you said you don't really have a clear-cut side on it either. Yeah, no clear-cut side, really. Um, I, I'm, if I've got to take something, I'm taking the under of 69.5. I think that uh, nice. that's kind of putting it where do I really think that both these teams are going to score over 30 points? I don't. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. It's going to be a raucous crowd. Urban Meyer is going to be having heart issues on the sideline, so you never know if it's going to, the game's going to have to be paused at any moment. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm betting on uh, Haskin and McSwirly not going out there and lighting up the scoreboard. Okay, I think that's a fair bet. Um, so I'm on Penn State. You're on the under. Um, definitely going to be the game of the weekend in terms of you know what everybody is watching, but I don't think it's the the game of the weekend if you're looking to get some action. So that's our college football games. Again, we'll have more of those, I'm sure, here coming up in the vault here in just a second, and I don't think I've explained it. If this is your first go-around, we have what we call the vault, which are our favorite, five favorite non-scheduled games, and then the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week, which is obviously our favorite non-scheduled game. But um, we like to get the crowd involved. And we got a Twitter question coming in this week from Alex Maston at Maston Alex. Y'all have heard Alex before on the Deep Fried Bets podcast. He's kind of our resident basketball guru. But uh, he definitely dabbles in some football, too. And he wants to know, he says, looking at the Texas A&M-Arkansas line, has the thought that teams are too beat up the week after playing Alabama gone away? Uh, he said he'd be interested to see those stats in 16 versus 18 compared to 11 versus 15. And, I mean, it's a good question. So, you know, kind of the prevailing thought was for a while – 
after you play Alabama, you're kind of beat up the next week and you don't really ever cover. Um, and has it gone away, Boom? I think that maybe with a shift to the Saban spread, you know, he's brought in some of these spread offenses that Alabama just doesn't pound you down, pound down your throat as much. Do you think there's a shift? Well, uh, Arkansas is 31 points worse than uh, North Texas, so I think it's pretty much irrelevant in this game. So does that mean that Auburn and North Texas are the same team? Um, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Speaking of our Jamoke of the weekend, how about old Gussie Gus trotting out the field goal unit down or up 28 uh, with like four minutes left and knocking through a 31-point lead? Tell me he didn't know the spread, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he had a little Lane Kiffin button right there. I really respected that. First yeah. time I've liked him in the past four and a half years. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, yeah, Masson, I think that's a good point. I um, I, I do think that it might have shifted a little bit. I think a lot of it has to do with that offense and defensive approach. You know, Alabama doesn't have the Terrence Cody's of yesteryear, the 380, 400-pound defensive tackles, um, you know, him, that Jesse Williams guy, Ashawn Robinson, those are kind of gone, and we're you know trying to replace those guys with your faster, like you know, crazy freak athletes like Raekwon Davis. So um, yeah, I mean, I still think it's something to look out for, but I don't think that Vegas factors it in as much. Um, it's a great question. Y'all keep those coming at us on Twitter at Deep Fried Bets, um, Instagram, Facebook. You know the drill. We're all over the place. We're Deep Fried Bets everywhere you look. Um, but that was Al's Twitter question. Now we got the NFL. It's week four of the NFL football season. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really happy that you were able to get a segment of, uh, of Alabama football talk in right there, even though the game wasn't being picked. That was impressive. I, hey, that's what we do around here. And we got some Auburn talk in, too. Um, and we got we to gotta appease the fans, man. We're in the <laughs> South. Um, all right, so we got the NFL coming up. Like I said, we're recording during the Thursday night game, so no official Thursday night pick, even though I am on. The Vikings plus seven, if anyone's interested. But uh, the big Sunday game, I guess you could say the big Sunday game, the the Dolphins plus seven at the Patriots. Patriots took one on the chin Sunday night against the Lions. Looked terrible. Um, you know, the wor- end of the world is happening again, and it just reminds me so very much of that Chiefs game three years ago where they were 2-2 two and two after it on a Sunday night, and Brady was washed up. They got beat like 49-14, to 14, just demolished. And that was when Belichick came out and said, on to Cincinnati. Um, I think you've got a similar situation here. All they've done all week is take it on the chin about how they don't have any talent around them, uh, around Brady. You know, it's just Gronk and then Josh Gordon, who knows if he's going to play or not. I think they come out and just demolish the Dolphins. Um, you know, I've been listening to Levitard a little bit this week, and they kind of talk about how the Dolphins never, ever win this game, and they don't. Uh, they've won twice in Foxborough the past 15 years, and neither of those games mattered for the Patriots. So I think this is something you got to look out for, and I think that, I mean, just abom- I mean, abomination, just demolishing on the Patriots' side. I usually don't like to back in the Patriots because they usually are getting too many points and you got to bet with the public. But the public actually surprisingly on the Dolphins right now. So I'm going to take the Pats minus seven at home. Feel really good about it, Boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually I go week to week on the NFL. I try to see teams that have fallen, teams that are undervalued, teams that are overvalued. And this is just such a weird line that came out. So you got the Dolphins that are 3-0, and have looked fine, have – beat some really mediocre teams. Then you've got the Patriots, who 
got it handed to him last weekend on primetime TV that everybody watched by a team that the first week of the season yeah, same thing. got it handed to him by the team, New York Jets. So you, you kind of got to follow the damn puzzle as it kind of goes week to week. That being said, the seven points doesn't make sense to me uh, for the Pats being this kind of favorite. I know that it's in Foxborough, but still, I mean, judging by the the teams, uh, if you didn't have the names above uh, above the spread, then people would be, what the hell are you talking about? I'm definitely taking the Dolphins. That being said, numbers don't make sense. Uh, Josh Gordon's going to be activated. Um, you can take how pissed off the Patriots are with a great assault, I think. I think that... They are the more desperate team. That's usually who I'm going to go with on that week in the NFL. So, yeah, I'll swallow the seven points. I think they're going to beat them down. Yeah, and the, the Dolphins, if you watch any of their games, they have a lot of long touchdowns. Like, And that you don't see a lot of those in the NFL. They have like a lot of 75-yard, just pure speed runs, um, which are kind of freak plays, if you ask me. So I, I, I do like the Patriots a lot in this one. Next up, Sunday night game is the Ravens plus three at the Steelers. Always an entertaining matchup. Over and under six and a half um, personal foul calls in this one. So I think it's a pretty good number there. Um, but we got the Ravens. They're plus three on the road at Pittsburgh coming off the big Monday night win. Ben, what's your take here? Yeah, second week in a row. The Steelers get a primetime slot. Three points. Uh, obviously, great win last week against uh, – and it's pretty pretty amazing. Probably the best uh, Monday Night Football game I've seen in a while. That was but, a good game. Uh, barely barely pulled that one out. Getting three at home, basically a pick them here. I like the Steelers to straight up win the game, so I like the Steelers. I'll swallow the three points. Uh, I, it probably should be about three and a half if the Steelers would have closed the game that last week. So I'll go ahead and take the three and kind of move on with it. Yep, I'm with you. Um, I think the Steelers outright, and generally in a, a spread situation like this, you take the team who you think is going to win outright, and you take the points too. Um, I think that that win Monday night kind of got them some confidence. Roethlisberger at home versus Roethlisberger on the road is a big deal. He's a lot better at home, obviously. Um, and he's at home this week. I don't think the Ravens are very good. I think they're overrated. I think they beat a decent Broncos team last week. It got propped up a little bit there. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers at home. Feel pretty good about it on Monday night or on Sunday night. Speaking of Monday night, Patty Mahomes, man, this dude is fun to watch. Minus four and a half going to Denver. Tough place to play. Altitude. I don't think he cares. Do you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really have a side on this game other than I don't think that Patrick Mahomes stumbles against this Broncos defense this week. Four and a half is tough to stomach. I mean, anything can happen. I think that you had a your close Monday night game last week, so I think it kind of flip-flops week to week. I'll go ahead and swallow the four and a half with KC. Just, I mean, they, they are about as high as a football team in the NFL that I've ever seen before. All right. I love Mahomes. I think the, the Chiefs are going to make a run this year. Fun to watch, but I don't think they take care of covering the spread on Monday night. They might win 27-24, somewhere in that neck of the woods, but I, I think that Denver at home, altitude's got to matter a little bit. Um, 
I think the home field advantage is real in this situation. I think that they eke it out or eke out the cover on Monday night. Uh, no, I mean, no real faith in them just because, you know, I backed them last week and they lost to the Ravens pretty bad. But I just – defense will show up a little bit. I think Mahomes – we kind of talked about this before the podcast started. You know, I, I, I had faith in the kid. I thought he was going to be really good. But I thought he was going to be a more, you know, throws you three touchdowns and two interceptions every week. I didn't think it was going to be four and zero. Um, the the interception game's coming. I don't know if it's this weekend. He's going to have one where he throws three or four and kind of spirals out of control a little bit from him. But don't know if it's this weekend. But I'm going to fade him a little bit just because they've been so hot that they has to calm, that has to calm down in the NFL a little bit. These are professionals, so give me the Broncos plus four in the hook on Monday night. All right, so that <clears throat> that concludes our scheduled games for the weekend. But this is our moneymaker right here. It's called The Vault. It's our five favorite non-scheduled games of the weekend. bunch of crazy stuff. Last weekend, we were chocked full of Louisiana Techs and Louisiana Lafayette. So really big on the divisional Louisiana schools, the SCLSU Mud Dogs, you know. Uh, just mucking it up, man. Uh, Boom, what's your vault look like this week? Who all you got in there? Yeah, I, uh, I try to stay away from the uh, Louisiana schools. They... Weren't the uh, kindest to me last week. I guess uh, there was still too much of a hangover from LSU actually being a good I mean, football team this you year. Hit Tech, that hit. Yeah, no, LaTeX. LaTeX was uh, LaTeX should have been the lock of the weekend, but at least uh, at least made a couple people a little bit of money. So rolling into this weekend, um, I'm going to start out with uh, Buffalo. They're playing at home against Army. You got to swallow seven and a half points. And I believe their top wide receiver is not playing this game. Army coming off of a heartbreak loss in Oklahoma last weekend. Buffalo likes to air the ball out. I think this this game may get away from Army a little bit close, a little bit. Uh, it kind of may resemble um, that first week that Army has uh, when everybody kind of thought that they were going to be dropping off and be irrelevant. Regardless, go ahead swallow the seven and a half. Then. Going to the Minutemen, getting 14 at Ohio. I think that UMass uh, kind of pulled it together a little bit. Are they going to win? No. Are they going to keep it relatively close? I believe so. They're gaining a little bit of steam. Um, then rolling over to the West Coast, and probably going to stay there through the end of this uh, segment, I'm going to go ahead and take Wyoming. And they've let me down more times than not so far this year. They are at home getting 17, getting 17 against Boise State. Yeah, and I believe they got the outright uh, win last year. Yeah, this is supposed to be Craig Craig Bowl, who was Wyoming's coach. This is supposed to be his best team ever, and he's catching 17 at home. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yep, you're getting 17 at home. I I still think Wyoming's defense is legit. I think that Boise State – is a little bit overrated. Now, I've been on the Boise State's overrated train all year. They've covered several games so far. Regardless, I'm getting 17 at home. I'm going to go ahead and take them tonight. Then, going even further to the West Coast, we got Oregon and Cal. And Oregon, just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable how they let that win slip away from them last weekend. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a hangover from that. And Cal is good. I mean, they are rolling right now. I think they're going to be the surprise of the Pac-12. Getting two at home in Berserkly, I think the place is going to be wild and out of control. Go ahead, take the two. They're going to get the outright win right there. 
And as always, I'm going to throw an NFL pick out there just because people get bored on Sundays. You want to somehow get away from doing the chores around the house or uh, have any kind of uh, human emotional contact. Sunday, Sunday, baby. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Chicago Bears minus three at home against the Fifth Magic, uh, less hopefully Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see. Still undecided. Go ahead and get the bet in now because there is a slight chance Jameis Winston will play. If that happens, the Bears and Khalil Mack are just going to totally run all over them. Yep. Okay. So let's recap. You've got uh, Buffalo minus seven in the hook, UMass plus 14, Wyoming plus 17, the Bears minus three, and Cal plus one in the hook. Is that right? Um, I believe so. Okay. All right, these uh, these sinus meds are getting to your head. That's what you had. Um, all right, so those are your five favorite. Here are my five favorite <laughs> in the vaults. Uh, we got Iowa State plus ten in the hook, starting us off. Uh, Iowa State is playing against TCU. TCU is a pretty good football team. They got uh, beat a little bit last weekend at Texas. Was not impressive, but um, I still think TCU will get the win at home. But Iowa State, uh, you know, Matt Campbell on the road as an underdog in the Big 12 has been a pretty good spot so far since he's been there. So I'm going to take Iowa State plus in the hook. Next up, love this game. It was close to being my lock. I'm getting Ole Miss and I'm getting 11 in Baton Rouge. Uh, They play LSU well every year, regardless of who the quarterback is, who's on their offense, defense. This is always a pretty close game. Um, And I think that Orgeron – Getting a little too much love right now. They're a top-five team in the country, which is just bananas. They're not a top-five team in the country. They're no threat to make the playoff. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. They might lose Saturday night. I don't know that I don't like Ole Miss outright. I think people are discounting Ole Miss because of what Alabama did. That spiraled out of control on them. You know, Ole Miss scored on the first play. And then that could have been that might have been the worst thing that could have happened to them just because Alabama laser-focused after that um, and just train-rolled them. But I don't think Ole Miss is that bad. I think they go on the road. On Saturday night, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the money line, but I'm giving you plus eleven. Take the points just to be safe. Next up, we got another team that might be getting a little too much value on the other side. We're taking Oregon State plus twenty two. Herm Edwards has done better than anybody could imagine, but he's already lost twice, and he's uh, he's a twenty two point favorite. And I don't think at any point this season we thought Herm Edwards was going to be a twenty two point favorite against anyone. And it all stems from that win over Michigan State on Saturday night a couple weeks ago. I'm still not sold on Arizona State. I'm rooting for Herm. He's a likable guy. You know, go Herm. But still not going to be taking him this weekend, so I'm not going to be rooting for him. Uh, I'm going to take Oregon State plus 22. Next up, crazy game. Um, It's South Carolina. It's Kentucky. No matter what happens, Kentucky always beats South Carolina. South Carolina is supposed to be good. But I think the roles are flipped this year. I think Kentucky's good. They're coming in as the ranked team. South Carolina's catching one and a half on the road. If you bet this game preseason, you'd probably have to lay seven with South Carolina. But, you know, Kentucky has beat Florida. They ended the streak. Florida's terrible. They beat Mississippi State, which I think was kind of a fluke game. I think Mississippi State's really good, but I don't really know what happened there last weekend. Um, Didn't catch much of it. But I just think you're getting incredible value with South Carolina plus one and a half. I think the roles flip because the team that is not supposed to win seems to always win this game. So, in that case, this would be the underdog, South Carolina plus one and a half. And then, finally, 
as Boomer didn't like to end with an NFL game. I'm taking the Jets plus seven and a half. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets against the Jags. Um, the Jags are pretty good. I hit on them earlier in the year. Um, I have faded them last weekend pretty big. And then after coming off that win against the Patriots, still think they're catching a little too much value. Seven and a half. Your, uh, your boy Samantha Darnold has not looked good since that week one performance, but he looked great in week one. So I think he kind of comes back to form. I know she, this. She has not. Yeah, I know this Jaguars defense is really, really good, but it's at home. You know, they didn't play worth a shit against Tennessee last week and got beat against the Titans. It's, uh, you know, it's hot for both teams. I don't care who does and does not condition down there in that heat. It's not fun to play in it. I'm going to take Jets plus 7.5 because I know the Jags would get the public's love. So that's uh, that's my vault. Jets plus 7.5, South Carolina plus 1.5, Oregon State plus 22, Ole Miss plus 11, and Iowa State plus 10.5. So if you're new to the program, you have officially made it. It is the best time of the show. It's everyone's favorite part of the week, regardless if it's a podcast or anything. This is what people look forward to most throughout their entire week. It's called the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. We bring our stone, our friend Stone Cold in, and we pick winners, and we drink cold beers, and we would just we live life to its fullest by picking winners and drinking cold beer. Uh, but let's bring our friend in, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's get to it. There's no better feeling in the world than hearing that music and knowing that you just got a stone cold Steve Austin lock of the week about to roll through. Who is it? Yeah, I think that uh, this is the first time this has happened this year, but you already touched on the game. Uh, I absolutely love the Gamecocks getting the point in Lexington this weekend. Two weeks in a row, stone cold uh, Steve Austin. Well, they won for me last week. I figured go ahead and ride this money train until uh, it either crashes off the side of the bridge or gets it back home safely. So, Will Muschamp is, I believe, five and one in uh, SEC games that are within a three-point spread. I believe that's right. Now, I'm still a big fan of Jake Bentley. I think that South Carolina is still going to be the second-best team in the SEC East. I think they make it very clear this week where they stand. Uh, It's Georgia, and then it's everybody else kind of crawling all over themselves. But, you know, Devo Samuel, hell of an athlete. Uh, Kentucky has has come out of nowhere, honestly. I agree. But I think it kind of comes – Regresses back to the mean a little bit, and I think South Carolina wins this game. I like it. That's Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. South Carolina plus one in the hook. I am taking you out to Kansas, and not a lot of great things happen in Kansas. Just ask Dorothy. But we've got a we've got an interesting matchup here. We got a Texas team who is coming off a couple big wins against L- or TCU and uh, USC. And they're going to Kansas State, which is a place they have not won since, I believe, 2002. So a lot of years, 16 years. Anybody born that year can now legally drive a car. Bill Snyder, all he does is cover as an underdog. That's just all he does. He wakes up, rolls out of bed, and covers as an underdog. And I think that continues on Saturday. Kansas State, plus eight, plus eight in the hook. Depends on where you get it. Shop around. They're probably not going to win outright. But I think 28-24 is a safe 
bet here. And I think you're catching eight in the hook with Kansas State at home. Bill Snyder, he covers as a home dog. It's what he does. Um, I'm going to take him on Saturday in Kansas. Kansas State plus eight. My Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. And my friends, that concludes our program for the week. Um, you have got all kinds of winners. And you're going to make so much money this weekend. It's not even going to be funny. Um, it's it's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. We bring you winners. Um, Boomer brings you hot takes. And uh, he sends us off in the weekend with something good every weekend. What's it going to be this weekend, Boom? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, it's Mars Friday. Why don't you go ahead and uh, splurge a little bit. Go buy you a handle of Tito's, two cigars, and a couple of steaks and get your mind right for uh, all of the – pure investment that you're going to be doing on saturday yeah and if you need to go ahead and put that here handle of tito's those uh prime rib ribeyes um fillets ribeyes whatever you want to go with this weekend you take all this you put it on a credit card Dude, this isn't a damn this isn't a damn golden corral bro no. i'm not getting prime rib dude you want uh let's go with a nice filet mignon let's go i mean just center cut bone in let's go tomahawk let's go tomahawk Put it on a credit card on Friday when you get off work. Go straight to the grocery store. Put it on a credit card uh, because when you wake up Sunday morning, you're going to be able to pay that off tenfold with all these daggum winners we just gave you. Um, so go get the most expensive cut they have in the entire grocery store. And don't go to Walmart. Go to the Publix or the Winn-Dixie. Go to the nicest grocery store around you. You get the finest cut of meat, the nicest bottle of wine to go with your handle of Tito's. And you put it on a credit card, and you pay that credit card off first thing Sunday morning because you listen to the Deep Fried Bets podcast, and you won yourself a lot of money this weekend. All right, we thank you all for tuning in, and we, yeah. want, you to, we want you to come back every week from now on. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on a website, deepfriedbets.com. Again, we want to thank Max from Sports Illustrated for joining us this weekend. Uh, really good week, a lot of winners, and we'll catch you next week.